You are listening to the Be a Friend, Make a Friend podcast, or BAFMAF, where we endeavor to be a friend of those who are bullied and make a friend of a friendless bully. We share and learn from the experiences of bullies and their victims. Hi, I'm John Paul Marion, and we have Jamie Wilkerson here to speak to our guest. Hi, Jamie. Howdy, John Paul. Today, you'll talk to Kat, an adult survivor of bullying. Jamie, can you tell us what to expect from today's interview? Kat's story was similar in many ways to Jennifer's story from episode one. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. What I found moving about talking to Kat was that she spoke with such conviction and emotion. I know her experience was difficult, but she endured and was strong enough to tell us her story. Wow, let's get going. So welcome to the Be a Friend, Make a Friend podcast, Kat. Before we get started, I want you to know that I realize that bullying is an emotional topic, and I want you to feel safe and comfortable. So if you don't feel comfortable with any question or any part of our interview, just let me know and we'll we'll just skip that. You know, it's not a big deal, okay? Okay, thank you. Before we get started also, I want to remind everybody that bullying is repeated unwanted aggressive behavior that involves an imbalance of power or perceived power. So with that in mind, can you kind of give us some background on yourself, Kat, uh, so that people kind of know where you're coming from, you know, your your point of view? Mm -hmm. So I am a 50-year-old stay-at-home mom these days, and I taught high school for a number of years before staying at home. And I'll return to that in the next few years. And the bullying situation happened when I was between 10 and 15 years old. Can you just go ahead and tell your story if you would? Okay. I know you've probably got something in mind, so let us know what's going on what happened. All right. So yeah, when I was about to start fifth grade, I was 10, In the summertime, we moved to a new town across the country, and I had no, we had no connections there and no knowledge of the place before moving there. So I was a a real new kid on the block. And this was a town, maybe 40 or 50,000 people in it at the time. So it was big enough that you would think that they would have seen newcomers before, but I didn't get the feeling they had seen them very often. I was pretty much the new kid on the block for the entire five years that I lived there. So I think they just were not used to new kids. And there was one particular boy in my class. His name was Tim. And for whatever reason, I've wondered many times over the years, but one of my theories about why he chose me to bully is just that I was new and I seemed, you know, nervous and scared, like maybe I wouldn't fight back. So he probably thought I was an easy target. Um, It's also possible that he was bullying other kids too that I didn't, I was not aware of, but it seemed to me at the time I was the one being singled out. So he did a lot of, there was very little physical abuse. Um, There were a few times where he was physical with me, like pushing or kicking or something like that. But for the most part, it was psychological. He, it was just 
constantly scorning me. Anything I, you know, if I raised my hand in class to make a comment, he would shake his head like, oh, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And if I ever had to, God forbid, give a presentation when he was in the class, he would just sit there the whole time with his arms crossed, shaking his head, making faces at me to make me feel bad about whatever I was saying. He also was kind of a ringleader. He had a group of boys who were his friends, and they all really followed him. I don't know if he was there. You know, I don't know if he intimidated them or if they admired him or whatever, but they all were in on it as well. He was definitely the worst, but they did a lot of the abuse as well. And all through, so it was fifth grade through ninth grade. And they did a lot of things like things that to this day make me feel really bad about myself. Um, and that it's yeah. really kind of hard to talk about because it makes me feel, you know, it's amazing to me, even as an adult, this many years later, you know, 40 years later, and I have children of my own and I taught school for 13 years and still there's a part of me that thinks those things he said to me, there's a reason why he called me those names and said those mean things to me. It must be that it's really true that I am those things. And it's so it's hard it, to get over. Really yeah. Is. And there's this feeling of shame. Like I don't want to tell people what they did and said, because what if they agree with it? So it's hard mm. for me to tell these stories. Oh, oh gosh, I know. I I'm so sorry. I just, I know, I know what you're saying, and I. Yeah, thank you for your support. So, one of the things that he and his friends would do is in the cafeteria. The way they did lunch at our school in middle school is that the teachers there were teachers sitting at the end of the room up like on a platform and they had a microphone and they would announce, okay, tables one, two, and three, you can get up and go to the cafeteria, uh, to the line to get your food, your lunch to the lunch line. And now the tables four through six or whatever, they, they had to excuse certain tables at a time or else the line would be too long. And the way they did it every day, and they always did it in the same order, Tim and his friends always sat at a table right next to the lunch line. So they would sit there and watch all the other people as they were getting in line to go get their food. And they had not gotten their food yet, so they weren't busy eating. They were just bored sitting there. Mm -hmm. So it's the perfect setup for them to abuse everybody who's standing in line because the people standing in line have nowhere to go. They have to just stand there against a wall and wait until the line moves forward and they can get their lunch. Every day when they would call my table and I would go up there and I'd be standing in front of a brick wall with, you know, all this whole long line of people. And Tim and his friends would all sit at the table. It was maybe 10 or less feet from where I was standing. And they used to always tell me that I was so ugly that I was a dog. And so they would all bark at me. And I'd be standing there with eight, seven or eight boys just barking at me the entire time I was standing there for five or 10 minutes barking and laughing and everyone right. in the cafeteria is hearing this and watching and seeing who they're doing it at. Um, Did anybody try to help you or no? And this, or? It's great. When I think back to this now, uh, along with shame, I feel 
I feel anger because those teachers were sitting in the cafeteria. Now, in their right. defense, they were at the other end of the cafeteria, but there's no way they didn't hear this. And it happened every day. So how could they not have picked up on what was happening? And how could, yeah. why weren't they walking around to see what was going on? Or, you know, I feel angry. Since you were a teacher yourself, I mean, you right. wouldn't allow that. Right. Yeah. So that was the horrible experience of lunch. And to this day, when I walk into a, I don't know if I'm at a teacher conference and it's lunchtime or for whatever reason, I have to walk into a big like cafeteria style room and find a place to sit like at a wedding or at, you know, any kind of situation like that. Right. I am filled with anxiety um, because I, it just all comes rushing back to me watching these boys do that at me while I stood there and couldn't get away from them and had to just wait until I could get my lunch and get out of there. And yeah. then knowing it was going to happen all over again the next day. So that was pretty hard. And they, they just did a lot of other things. Like they, one time in one of my classes, they, I don't know if they bribed this boy or if he was in on it or if they were being mean and bullying him as well. But somehow they got this boy in class to come over to me and say, hey, I really like you. Do you want to be my girlfriend or something like that? And I was so flattered because I had never felt accepted by any of the people in this place. And I couldn't believe this boy was so shyly telling me that he liked me. And I was very flattered. And I said, yes, I'll go out with you. And then he went back to the group of boys. And then I could hear them all just hooting with laughter, like, ha, ah, she's such a loser that she would even go out with you, teasing uh -huh. him, insulting him and me at the same time. And then, all of right. course, I felt humiliated and a lot of horrible psychological kind of experiences like that, which as an adult, you can look back and say, oh, stupid kids. But when you're in middle school, that is devastating. And if you've, especially if you don't feel like you have many friends anyway, and you just kind of feel rejected by everybody in the school, it just rubs it in even deeper. And I don't ever remember at any time in these five years, any teacher or administrator or parent or anyone stepping in. Maybe at some point, some teacher said, hey, knock it off or something like that. But no one ever addressed him and said, Tim, what is your deal? Leave her alone. You know, nobody ever specifically addressed this situation. And I, I feel like that should have happened. And oh, I yeah. hope that nowadays people are more aware so that it would happen, I hope. Well, that's what I'm hoping is that people will hear these stories, hear your story, and understand that these things, they hurt for life. If they have not experienced them themselves, if they could hear these stories, maybe they can start to do something about it. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is being aware. I think that many teachers would step in if they knew what was going on, but they just kind of block out the noise of the kids talking and don't really pay attention. I think teachers just need to, at least when I was teaching, I tried to do this. I tried to actually listen to what kids were saying to each other in my classroom and in the hallways and tried to right. be aware of if anyone could be being unkind to someone else right. because I, I realized that there's no way every single one of my teachers was aware of it and ignored it. It must be right. that they just were clueless about it. So did you have any way that you dealt with this? I mainly, I didn't ever confront the kid or the other kids either. And I, I, I remember at one point talking to my mom about it 
And basically her response was, oh, you know, I wish I knew what to tell you. <laughs> she was oh. at a loss. And I mean, I know she wanted, she was hurting for me, but she didn't know what to do. And probably I probably told her, don't say anything to the principal because he'll just talk to the kid and then it'll be worse. I probably told right. her not to get involved. And so that left her with no action that she could take. But um, that kind of also made me feel like, wow, nobody can do anything to help me because my mom doesn't even know what to do. We didn't ever really address it. I basically just tried to live my life outside of school. I had a, a couple of friends and I spent a lot of time with them. I was, I had a paper route and I did that every day. I kept busy doing other things and that's, I suppose, how I got through it. I, I did journal. I kept a journal and I know also that I wrote letters. I oh. have two, two older siblings and I remember that I wrote to them and to some of my friends from the old town that I had moved away from. And I, I remember writing to them and telling them how unhappy I was and what was happening. So I guess that was probably sort of like a coping mechanism. I was looking for support side of the school environment. Interesting. So you were still in touch with the people where you came from. So that was probably important to have still have that connection to somebody. Yeah, at least towards the beginning of that time. By the end of it, yeah. I don't think I was still in touch with them, but... At the beginning, when it was still the move was pretty fresh, I think I was still in touch with them. So, what do you tell your own children, or do they have they ever come to you, or do you ever have advice for them if they deal with stuff like this? Yeah, because of my own experience, I started bringing up the topic of bullying to them at a very young age and talked to them about how nobody should talk to you in a mean way and. If they do, they're not, whatever they're saying is they're not supposed to talk to other people in a mean way because I, right. I internalized what those kids told me and I thought, well, I deserve this. You know, I am ugly or I am stupid or I am really uncool or whatever. So I tried to, I remember trying to tell my kids when they were very young, other people do not have the right to say mean things to you even if right. it's their opinion. And I also told them, I, I didn't give them as many details as I shared today, but I did tell them that I was bullied as a kid and that I remember what it felt like and that it still makes me sad today to think about it so that they would realize that if ever they did find themselves in that situation, hopefully they would feel like they could talk to me about it because they would remember maybe that I was bullied. I guess that's it. I've just been talking to them about it. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever stood up to a bully before? Um, not as a kid, but as a teacher, I have stepped in to bullying situations on multiple occasions and usually just stepping in and saying, hey, that's not nice to say, things like that. But also teaching high school, I've also yeah. pull, pulled apart physical fights as well. So in, I guess in that way, yeah, I have. So did anybody ever intervene in one of your situations when you were young? Did anybody step in and say, hey, you need to knock that off or anything like that? Not that I ever recall. Um, okay. and I think part of that is because this kid that was the ringleader was the popular kid in school and nobody was probably going to stand up to him. And I yeah. was the new kid who was weird because I was from this faraway place that they had never probably even heard of. 
And so I think that probably no one was going to stand up to him. I'm just curious. I wonder how, because I, I stepped in one time when I was in high school. I wonder if that made an impact for that kid or if good things that happen are so few that I, yeah. I just wonder if that made any difference or not. Right. I um, I would imagine that it would because usually no one does anything. And so I would think that if someone stepped in, I can only imagine that that was seared into her memory as, wow, somebody is finally trying to help me instead of being on the other um, side. I hope so. I guess we all hope that we'll have that kind of an impact in a positive way. So right. do you have anything else that you want to add to our conversation or something that you want people to learn from your story? The things that I think are the most important to learn from my story are, one, the long-term effects that bullying has so that bullies will be aware that they're hurting others permanently and that mm. Parents and teachers will realize how serious the situation is, that they really, really need to try to be aware of it, to prevent it, because it has such long-lasting effects. That would be one. And the other is, I really wish that when I was going through that time, I mean, I reached out in ways that I, that I could, but I really wish that I had felt like there was someone, if not helping me in the school at least mm -hmm. talking to me and being on my side. And right. I think for kids who are being bullied, listening to this or have been bullied, they need to know that there are other people who've been through this and that they are not at fault. No matter what the kids are saying about you, right. they don't have the right to make you feel bad about yourself. And right. if you're being bullied, it's not right. It's not your fault. And you should reach out and find someone to help yourself. Right. I agree. Oh, I so agree. That's, I couldn't have said it better myself. So, well, Kat, I want to thank you for talking with me today and being on our Be a Friend, Make a Friend podcast. You know, I know because I've learned from listening to you talk and to your story, it's made some things click for me as a teacher mm -hmm. and as a parent. Mm -hmm. And as a victim myself, some when I was a kid, I think I really do think that your story is going to help other people. So I really do want to thank you for talking with me today. Well, I really hope it does. And thank you for having me and letting me share my story. I hope it does help. You, you are most welcome. Wow, that was a moving story. What do you think we can learn from her story, Jamie? Well, John Paul... I think that many people will find that their experience with bullies echoes what we hear in Kat's story. Bullies prey on who they perceive to be weak. One thing that I learned from listening to Kat speak is that I, as a teacher, really need to keep my eyes open for things like this. I've seen bullies that will try to pretend that they are kidding or are playing once they're caught by an authority figure. People in authority need to take this issue very seriously. Every teacher, every day, needs to address this because the ramifications are real and they last a lifetime, as we heard from Kat. People who are the victims of bullying must realize that they are not at fault. They must not believe the lies that the bully is telling them. They deserve to be treated with dignity. And parents, please believe your child and work with them to find a solution. Another issue is 
What if parents suspect that their child is being bullied but don't know what to do? That brings us to our next section. Bully Prevention Education. Let's move on to Bully Prevention Education. Jamie, what have you got for us this time? Well, you know, a major worry that parents have is how to know if their child is being bullied. Since not all children who are being bullied will ask for help at www.stopbullying.org, there are warning signs that parents can look for that may indicate that their child is being bullied. Now, if your child is showing signs of being bullied, it's important to talk to them to get to the root of the problem. These signs can also be an indication of depression or substance abuse, so talking about things is very important. Some signs that may point to a bullying problem are unexplainable injuries, lost or destroyed clothing, books, electronics, or jewelry, frequent headaches or stomach aches, feeling sick or faking illness, changes in eating habits like suddenly skipping meals or binge eating. Kids may come home from school hungry because they did not eat lunch. Uh, difficulty sleeping or frequent nightmares, declining grades, loss of interest in schoolwork, or not wanting to go to school. We see that one a lot. Sudden loss of friends or avoidance of social situations, feelings of helplessness or decreased self-esteem, and also, sadly, self-destructive behaviors such as running away from home, harming themselves, or talking about suicide. If you know someone in serious distress or danger, don't ignore the problem. Get help right away. There is a link that I'll put in the show notes too. It's www.stopbullying.gov slash get dash help dash now. Wow. Let's move on to our next section. Friendly feedback. Okay. Have you got any feedback about our podcast yet, Jamie? No feedback yet, John Paul. Maybe we should tell them how to give feedback. Hmm. Well, you can leave comments if you're listening to our podcast on YouTube. And be sure to like and share. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.beafriendmakeafriend.com and leave comments there. Also, please like, comment, and share our podcast with your friends. And, again... Be sure to write a review for us on iTunes. Final thoughts. Jamie, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I think that when people begin to realize that they share a common story, maybe the experience was not the same, but the basic story is similar, they will recognize that there is a strength in numbers. Bullying does not reflect who you are, but who the bully is. The bully has some need that is not being met. Of course, that does not make the bullying acceptable. No, we need to understand the real impact the bullying has on the victims. We must come together and support each other. If you were a bully, a bystander, a hero, or a victim, and you'd like to volunteer to be interviewed, please email us at bafmafpodcast at gmail.com, and we will contact you. If you are a teacher or a school administrator, and you too have a story about how you or your school handles bullying, we would love to hear from you. Our efforts to be a friend to those who are bullied and make a friend of a friendless bully can only continue with your help. 
If you would like to donate to our cause and help us continue bringing you this podcast and taking our program to the schools and organizations, please visit www.beafriendmakeafriend.com slash donate. You can give through Facebook or Patreon and even sign up Amazon Smile. When you log in at smile.amazon.com, Amazon will donate a portion of the proceeds of your order to the charity of your choice. Won't you consider giving today to support the bully prevention education efforts of Be A Friend, Make A Friend? Until next time, won't you be a friend of those who are bullied and make a friend of a friendless bully?